Welcome to Christian Concepts, a weekly show in which I hold thoughtful discussions about Christianity, its concepts, and misconceptions. I'm your host, Taj. Recently, I have been doing a lot of men's work, and I'm part of a group that focuses on becoming men in full. In summary, what that means is we're moving away from pride to a place of honor. We discuss a lot about how uh, society has shifted a lot from tribes and communities that were based on honor and doing good as a group towards a society that is based on pride, a bunch of proud lone wolves that are interested in themselves. Now, throughout history, many cultures have had rites of passages that uh, welcomes an individual into the community or the tribe. So it led me to wonder, well, what do Christians have? Is there some kind of rite of passage as far as within Christianity? That is what we're going to take a look at today. First of all, let's define what a rite of passage is. It is a ceremonial event that exists in all historically known societies that marks the passage from one social or religious status to another. At first, I was thinking, of course not. There are no rites of passage in Christianity. It's just Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. Then I realized I was only thinking about salvation and going to heaven. Of course, there are many ceremonies and rite of passages in the Old Testament, but when it came to the church and New Testament, I really started to think and say, well, what do we currently do that really fits this definition? And I really identified two examples. First is marriage. And at first you might be thinking, wait, whoa, 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 that is not a rite of passage. That was me committing to my spouse, to loving people that want to be together forever. But hear me out. Today, there are many unbiblical cultures that surround marriage. Well, first of all, you know, the common thing that I've been hearing since I was in high school is, well, if two people love each other, why do they need a piece of paper? Why do they need to spend the money? Why do they need to go through all that legal mumbo jumbo and all that different things? You know, we see a lot of uh, people living together um, outside of marriage and, you know, it's cohabitating in a space together. And they say, well, if we love each other, that is perfectly fine. Or we see Hollywood marriages where, you know, uh, a new spouse is basically the new accessory, you know, the, the Louis Vuitton bag and the hot new husband or wife. And I even know uh, personally, many people that get married, honestly, for the benefits, whether it is for their children or if they're in the military, they get more pay. So there's a lot of different things and reasons as to why people get married. But we're talking about the actual uh, Christian definition. And we're going to really look at what that is. First of all, that is, you know, it starts from uh, way back in Genesis. And it's really a vow between a man, his wife and God. The actual wedding itself, is what the rite of passage is because this uh, wedding ceremony, if you will, is just filled with symbolism. And what it's really picturing is two people becoming one. And it really comes from Genesis 2, verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And this is also echoed by Jesus in Mark 10, verse 7. But basically, it's the same thing. Think of it this way, right? Anyone that has been married should be able to picture this very easily. But, you know, um, when you were single, you have been walking around, you're living your life, you were just waking up and doing whatever you felt like. You didn't necessarily plan or schedule. You wanted to go out with some friends. You would just do it. Someone calls you, you just go, right? You would make a lot of things based upon what you want to do. Then, of course, when you get married, all of that changes, 
Now you have to confer with your spouse as to what are we going to do this evening? Is it okay if uh, I do this? Did we have other plans or other engagements? Were we supposed to go over to your mother's today or your father? Did we have uh, prior commitments? Did we sign up for anything? Uh, Would you like to come? Do you need me to do anything before I go? Things like that. It's a completely different lifestyle. And during this ceremony, a lot of times you will see people, you know, the bride and groom, they will light two separate candles and they will put them together as one big candle. And it really signifies the two separate lives coming together as one, because at that point, there are there is no separate man and separate woman. They are together. And as far as the decisions that they make, it impacts the other person, because when you are dedicating your time to someone else or making other engagements and and commitments, you are taking that time away from your spouse, your significant other, and the time that you're spending with them. So it impacts them whether you are willing to admit it or not. And some people in their ceremony, they'll put two colors of sand together and, you know, they pour the sand into a bowl. It, it all comes together. And again, this is just all symbolizing two separate things coming together. Maybe they were yellow and blue before you pour the sands together. All of a sudden it looks uh, green and you can't even separate them if you wanted to. If you sat there and, you know, tried to shake them back out or whatever it is. No, they are one now. Right. It is just one bowl of colored sand. And really, once you get into that situation, a husband and a wife, you're in a family, there is no more I win and you lose. It is either we win or we lose together. It is us, right? You are a team. So that is what all of this symbolizes. So when people take those vows and they actually go through that ceremony, it is very different than just living together or just uh, dating or or something else, because this actual rite of passage, which is, first of all, that is the biblical way to do it. You shouldn't be uh, going into these relationships and, and living with people and living a life and viewing this as a piece of paper, because there's just many scriptures that can go on that that's just an unbiblical model. But that is not the point of uh, this message today, this podcast. What we're actually speaking about is The ceremony itself and how it is a rite of passage, meaning it is a ceremony that really symbolizes the change from the old single self to the new married self or the two becoming one. And this is one of the areas really that is just one of the battlefields for the enemy because, uh, you know, the enemy really is trying to tear apart families because where families go, that is where churches and society goes in general, right? If, if, If the enemy can tear apart uh, society through the family, well, that changes cultures, right? From shifting from, as we said in the beginning, from cultures of honor to pride-based individual me, 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 me cultures, one of the easiest ways to do that is just tear apart the families and break everyone down into individuals. And it, it, it you can see the effects of that through all throughout societies all around the world, where the family unit is destroyed, And the values just make a drastic shift. But once again, too, that is another topic in itself. We're going back to rites of passage. The second one that I could really think of that I found through scriptures is baptism. Now, when I say baptism, this is one of those things, too. Anytime baptism comes up, it's just one of those controversial topics through uh, different denominations and Christendom as a whole. But when I'm speaking about a rite of passage being baptism, I'm not speaking about, again, how to get into heaven or a rite of passage as if 
that is a, a rite of passage to be saved. You know, the biblical reference that I'm speaking of and using that definition, a ceremony that marks the passage from one status or state to another, right? So baptism definitely fits this definition. And hear me out. I can think of myself uh, for the first 25 years of my life, my old self, sinful self, I was living a life for me, 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 me. And throughout all of those years, it was really, it it was me having to uh, shift from being a sinful enemy of God to a son of God through Christ, right? And I think of the actual, the journey that that was, was taking, it really was a 25-year a journey, really, to come to the point where I was uh, able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and accept it by faith. Now, that in itself is not a ceremony, but if we look at Romans 6, verse 1 through 5, you can see the picture of the ceremony, and it it, it is just a... A, a beautiful representation of that process. And it reads, And what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Now, that is a lot. And if you're not really paying attention to it, you might miss some of the details and seeing how the symbolism lines up with the ceremony itself of baptism. But I will put the link for this verse in the show notes. So that way you can click it. You can actually read it for yourself and it will all make sense to you and the picture of baptism and how it lines up as a rite of passage. So like I said, it was a 25-year journey for me being lost, you know, being an enemy of God, being in sin before I came to the cross. And when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, four months later, I was baptized. Now, some people, they're baptized on the same day. Some people are baptized on a, a later time. But for me, it was four months And if you listen to previous episodes, mainly that was because I wanted to be baptized in the creek. And at the time I was in New York and, you know, January creeks are, you know, filled with snow and ice. And May was the earliest I could go to the creek. So that was why I was baptized four months later. But that is neither here nor there. The point of this is in this passage in Romans really looks and sounds a lot like when I was baptized in that creek. The biblical picture, well, first of all, again, you know, if you listen to the previous episodes about baptism, baptism literally means submerged or immersed. If you look up the history of the word, the etymology of the word baptismal, and what ends up happening is when I was dipped, immersed, submerged, whatever word you want to use into the water, it was like being buried with Christ. And as the resurrection, as I was raised up from the water, it pictures the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it was like putting the old sinful man that, that for the first 25 years of my life to death. I was buried in the water 
and I raised up a new creature in Christ. Now, this is just a public demonstration. All the work took place as far as what Jesus was doing in my life, all the pruning and all the just everything that led up to that decision where I finally put my faith in uh, faith in Christ. However, this particular ceremony uh, was marked as a rite of passage because it was at that point I joined the church and was a full member with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and we would serve God together and we would do everything as a unit. So as far as historically speaking, and we look at these uh, various uh, rites of passages, you know, such as when uh, the husband and wife come together as one, or in this case, uh, the symbolism of putting my old self to death and demonstrating that now I am raising up as a new creature in Christ and joining with the church. It is just a perfect picture of this ceremony and is really symbolic. And originally, when I thought of a rite of passage, I was thinking of something really barbaric, like uh, a gang initiation or hazing or some, you know, ancient uh, tribal s- situation where the children are left out in the elements, you know, the harsh elements of the cold and snow, and maybe they're eaten by wolves and saber-toothed tigers and bears. Oh my, um, you know, all sorts of things uh, was going through my mind as far as, you know, what a rite of passage is. But really, it is a ceremony that shows a transformation from one thing to another. So whether or not someone goes through this ceremony of the wedding, do they still love each other? Well, yes, they can. Uh, does a, a person can, can, can have their faith in Jesus Christ without being baptized? Well, yes, yes, they can. But this ceremony is the rite of passage because it symbolizes and pictures all of that just so beautifully. And just these are just the two examples that I found as far as New Testament uh, and the Christians, what we do in the church and how it, it, it fits into it. And, you know, it's, it's really not barbaric at all. And so what, I would love to know, what do you think? Uh, as usual, feel free to reach out to me. You know, the links are in the show notes as far as how to reach out to me. And thanks for spending this time with me. And until next time, later. <laughs>